0: Go absolutely perfect with the message this morning. Open your Bibles, please, to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Maybe I shouldn't have them moved. Projector here. Ephesians chapter four, I decided because of the importance of the message this morning I'm going to use um, PowerPoint presentation because the visual helps us to to pick up on on some things uh, that are going to be said this morning. We need to, visual messages just go deeper into our hearts, don't they? They, they, The impression goes deeper. And I, of course, I, I shouldn't say off course, but I'm not going to be able to do presentations every week but sometimes you just need them. And this is one of those Sundays we just need it, because this is something we all deal with, the battle of the mind. And uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Years ago, I was in the church in the States, and a godly young member of that church, he was a Marine, was going to war. And just before he was deployed, the church gathered around him to pray. Of course, they prayed for his safety as he was going to Iraq or wherever. I can't remember the country he was going to, but... One man prayed for the greatest battle that he would face. That was in his mind. That prayer touched on a very real issue, brethren. Because that Marine came back from the battlefield but he didn't come back the same. I don't know what happened to him while he was away. But when he came back, he separated from his wife. And that deterioration continued until the relationship became irreconcilable. This morning, I do want to talk about the battle of the mind, because it's very, very real, whether you go away to some foreign country to fight for your country, or whatever. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says here, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having understanding understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to the to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away the lying, speak every man truth with his neighbour. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labour, working with his hands a thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for a beautiful morning this morning. Thank you for everyone that you brought out this morning to hear the word of God. Pray for those who weren't able to make it. May your grace be upon them in a very special way. Drawing them to yourself no matter what the need is. I pray for those who are traveling, those who are away. Give them safety as they travel. Maybe have a, a wonderful break away. Come back refreshed, ready to serve their Lord again. Oh God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word lord there's touch some needs here this morning every one of us have a battle in our minds
1: mm-hmm.
0: and sometimes it just rages god help us this morning mm-hmm. and i pray to speak to hearts draw your people in to hear from you this morning i pray that everyone else will tune that man and hear from god may the word of god be brought forth by the spirit of god to make a deep impression in our, upon our hearts, Lord, so that we may be helped by your word this morning. Thank you, this book has all the answers. Mm-hmm. We talked, we sang about that this morning. The choir sang about it. Your word has the answers. Let us find them this morning to what our challenge is in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to share with you, number one, we have we face an inner battle because of our past life. We have this inner battle because of our past life. Look at verse 17 to verse 19 again. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that she henceforth... Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have been given have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness, uncle- uncleanness with greediness. And as Paul might say in the book of Ephesians, and such were some of you, or First Corinthians, and such were some of you. That was us. That was us. We were born Gentiles. Look, it says in verse 17 again. This I say, therefore, testify in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles. We were born Gentiles. Gentiles are foreigners. You say, hey, I'm not from Ireland. You're, I'm a foreigner. Hey, if you're from Ireland, you're a foreigner too. <laughs> we're Gentiles, heathens, any ethnic group other than Jews. That's what we're talking about in the Bible. Everyone who's anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. In contrast, the Jews were God's chosen people. They are God's chosen people. They were the first recipients of the gospel, according to Romans one sixteen. The oracles or the spoken word of God was first commissioned to them, according to Romans chapter three, verse two. They were custodians of the law, the Gentiles, in contrast were without the law. That's in Romans chapter two, verse twelve. So you see this big dichotomy between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were God's people, the Gentiles were not. The Jews had God's word, the Gentiles did not. And Brethren, this scripture we're reading this morning was written to the Gentiles in Ephesus. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles. Let's talk about the Gentiles of Ephesus for a second. These, their city was the home to the goddess Diana. She was the huntress, the goddess of hunting, who, worshiped, who was worshipped for her bountifulness. At the time that this was written, the Temple of Diana took 220 years to build and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. Craftsmen made much money by selling pictures or, or um, images, should I say, of the temple, replicas of the temple with God, the goddess Diana in it. Today, only ruins remain of the temple around the area of Ephesus. It was destroyed in 401 BC AD. But back then, the temple of Diana was central to Ephesian culture. The Ephesian, Ephesian Christians were heavily influenced by the culture of Diana and the world, just like we are today. Just like we are today. We were born Gentiles, and as Gentiles we walked after the vanity of our minds. Look at verse 17. Just I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. The word vanity means morally sinful. It's referring to the idolatry that they were involved in. They worshiped Diana. Again, Diana was a virgin goddess of childbirth. She was the queen of heaven. Have you heard that phrase before? The queen of heaven. That comes from the worship of Diana and Armitris, her, 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 her Greek counterpart. Counterpart. I can't think of the name right now. It'll come to me in a little bit. But anyway, her temple was a sanctuary that offered refuge to escape Jews. They believed in her. They looked to her for her benevolence and her, her mercy. They were obsessed with her. It is ironic that idols that made, were made of this goddess of virginity and purity were depicted in a very immoral way. Sensual, barely clothed. And so, do you know, that gives the idea that Diana was what the worshippers wanted her to be. Is is that not human nature? To the barren, she was the provider of children. To the pregnant, she was the protector of the womb. To the hungry, she was the provider and the sustainer of life. All her followers worshipped her based on what they wanted her to be. Do you know that sounds like today, doesn't it? Even if they were virtuous, they were still idolatrous, walking in a mind with a mind full of vain thoughts. And brethren. We were the same, weren't we? Whether we were virtuous or whether we were very sinful in the eyes of the world, we walked in the vanity of our minds, Gentiles. Sin permeated our thinking, brethren. We're talking about our past life here. This is what we were. Sin permeated our thinking. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, the Bible says. Our understanding was darkened, so we couldn't see clearly. Our eyes were not open to the things of God. We were ignorantly hardened to God and His ways. So what that means is that the Bible meant nothing to us. Church meant nothing to us. Christianity meant nothing to us. That's who we were, right? As Gentiles. We were spiritually blind, the Bible says in verse 18, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance and in them ignorance. Verse 19 goes on to say, "Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness." And basically, the word lasciviousness is the idea of shameful lusts. And we didn't care about it; we thought it was funny. But the Bible says that they were past feeling. That means they were calloused, like calluses on your hands. If you do some hard workouts, and you get these hard calluses on your hands, it makes a man feel manly, right? Those calluses on your hands. But it's, it's good to have calluses on your hands as a man, but it's not good to have calluses on your heart. But that's what we were, calloused. We didn't care about it. We laughed about sin. We joked about sin. We lived sin. That's what we were as Gentiles. And brethren, the Bible said, it goes on to say in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And the Bible says that such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6. That's who we were when we came to Christ. We came to Christ with our baggage. You with me here this morning? That's the way we came to Christ. We were born Gentiles. We're still Gentiles. We're just saved Gentiles, right? We walked in the vanity of our minds, and sin deeply permeated every area of our thinking. And brethren, I would love to say to you this morning, if you give yourself to Jesus Christ, all your history will be wiped away, just go to your browser and delete all the cookies and remove all the history and wipe it all away and start all over again and it's not that way. Have you ever found yourself thinking on things that are sinful that you haven't thought about in 30 years? Well, you have to be sort of older to do that, (laughs) but you get the point. (laughs) Brethren, we have a history. And because we have a history, we have baggage. Does that make sense this morning? Such were some of you. We may be washed, we may be sanctified, we may be justified, but we're still Gentiles, saved Gentiles. Now after salvation, we have a struggle that we never knew before. We now have a real battle, and the battle is reconciling our old life and our old way of thinking with our new life and our new way of thinking. That's the battle. And it's a very real battle, isn't it? We face the inner battle because of our past life but secondly i'm glad to say this morning we won the door we won the war because we accepted jesus christ as savior the war is over brethren you know i was uh had josh and i went out last night to uh and and jen celebrating his his graduation we went out to a concert and it was a wonderful concert four seasons of valdy just wonderful just a lot of fun and I encourage you to go to a classical concert sometime. and Just really enjoy it. It just it was so much fun. It was such a blessing. Everybody's happy, you know. It's because it, classical music actually produces joy. It's just really, really good. But anyway, so we went to that. And at the end of it, I can't resist. And I was very, very good during the concert. I did not check my phone. But when I got home, I went to check, see who won the Champions League. Now, I knew who was going to win the Champions League. Of course, Man City was going to win. Amen. Mm-hmm. But I saw the results. But I wanted to see the highlights. You, you with me here this morning? And I saw this guy who put compl- and I, I knew five thousand views. He wasn't going to have the right highlights, and it wasn't. Like, like Man City were winning four nil, and it's just like, how can you win four nil when the score was one nil? Sorry if you didn't see the game. You want to watch it later? i just spoiled it on you. <laughs> but you're looking at the highlights, but you already know. You already know who won. Do you understand what, what I'm saying this morning? And you know, we're going through life. And we read Revelation chapter 21 and 22, right? We know who wins in the end. You know who's got the victory. And brethren, because you received Jesus Christ, you won the war. If you've been saved this morning, if you have repented of your sin, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the war is over. The war is over. And I want to tell you something this morning. Christ is the complete opposite of our past. Look at verse 20. We're looking at chapter 4, verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. What are you talking about? In the contrast of verse, the, the last few verses. Christ is the complete opposite of our past. He is the holy one. He's the just one. He's the perfect son of God. Where we were born Gentiles, he was born a Jew. We were alienated from God, but he lived in perfect fellowship with the Father. He ever lived to please the Father. We weren't like that, but he is. Where sin permeated our thinking, righteousness permeated his thinking. It still does. Where we were hardened towards God, he is always tender. He never had to struggle with sin because he never had any sin of his own. The only time he ever struggled with sin was when, it was when he took our sin upon himself on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, he had made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we may be what might be made the righteousness of God in him he was the lamb of god in whom is no guile christ is the opposite of our past and christ alone can fix our past brethren every one of us have a past that want to be fixed do you know how i know because you're here you're not here because you have it all together if we had it all together and we never had any problems why go to church why read your bible why pray we don't need god do we we're self-sufficient everything is good but when we come to the house of god we come because we want to hear from god can you hear an amen for that amen. because we got things we want to work through in our life and we're hoping someone is going to say something today is going to help me today can you hear another amen for that because it's true yeah. you know brother i had a tough week And it was all here. And God allows us sometimes to have a tough week so we can help other people. So I can say, I know what I'm talking about because I just had a week like that right now. Christ is the only one who can fix our past. And to have our past fixed, brother, we need to hear him. Look at verse 21. I don't have slides that We need to hear him. Do I have slides that? Nope. Next one. Verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him. Hearing requires paying attention to what he has to say. You can listen but not listen. We all understand that. When Jesus walked this earth, multitudes dropped every. Think with me for a second. He walked the face of this earth. He walked around the hills of Judea. He walked around. Uh, he, he walked around the plains of the River Jordan. He, he he walked up to Galilee, and people followed him everywhere they went, where he went, didn't they? These were the common people. Now I understand rich people followed him too. I get that. But these people had to work. These people had to provide for their families. But they didn't care for that small segment in time. Why? Because they thought he was the Messiah. They were right. But they forgot about food. They forgot about their needs. They were just there because they wanted to hear from Jesus. Are you with me here this morning? They wanted to hear from him. He told them, let these things go deep down into your ears. I want you to listen to me. I was speaking to a man this week, and again, conspiracy theory came up. I didn't bring it up, believe me. But he had, he had... I heard some new conspiracy theories from him. Man. I heard a conspiracy theory about sun cream. Not meant to wear sun cream. Because they're out to get us. Okay. I'll wear the sun cream. If they get me, they get me. <laughs> You know, but over time, a lot of conspiracy theory is becoming fact. I am seeing that. I'm not really worried about it. Because ultimately, conspiracy theory will fulfill the book of Revelation. There's a lot of prophecies about some people will take you over the world and all you, everybody uniting together with one head being the Antichrist. That's in the book of Revelation. So I directed him to the book of Revelation. He said, I'll read it. I'm going to make sure he does, okay, as much as I can, anyway. Brethren... The things that are going on in in the world, God has an answer and he wants to hear us. But when that conversation is over about the things going on in the world that God wants us to hear him about, I want to say to him, there's things going on in your life. And God wants you to hear what he has to say about that too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the Lord is very interested in our lives. I'm glad to say that this morning. The Bible says in verse 21 If so be that ye have heard him, that ye have been taught of him, we don't just need to hear him. We need to be taught by him if we're going to have our past fixed. We don't get taught by Jesus by just hearing what he has to say. There's a whole lot more to that. We need to apply what we have, have, have received from him to be able to get help. Going back to the sun cream illustration, but more in a, a positive way. I don't get protection from the sun by holding a, a piece of a, a, a tube of sun cream in my hand, do I? I'm safe now. Here's my sun cream. I got at Lidl for 4 dollars 99 Is that going to protect me? No. I've got to open it up. I've got to take it out. I've got to apply it to my head, okay, <laughs> and my neck, and, and everywhere else that needs to have that protection. Brethren, in the same way, we don't get help by the word of God by just listening. And I'm glad that we're listening. But Jesus said, let the saying sink deep down in your ears. Not just in your ears, but needs to go into your inner ear. Not just your middle ear, your inner ear. And all the way down to your heart. God wants us to apply the scripture. Because if we don't apply the scripture, we're not going to get the help. We're not going to be able to deal with our past. We need to be taught by him. I was speaking to a lady about uh, her, 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 her past, and she brought up a story about a, a friend she used to have, and, and, and I mean the friend was wild. When I say wild, I mean wild. I never heard such stories. I, I didn't want to know all the stories. You understand how wild this girl was? And the funny thing is then, somewhat, a few months later, I actually met the girl. I was like, oh, wow, wow. And when I met her, do you know what she talked about? Jesus. And all she did was talk about the Lord, and I enjoyed meeting her. I thought, wow, what a change. Then they met her again another month later. And you know what she's doing? She's joining a gym. So, why are you joining the gym? Because I'm using it as a ministry because I want to reach out to this troubled girl. And that's the only reason she was joining the gym, so she could help out and reach out to somebody else. What a blessing. What a changed life. Are you with me here this morning? It's a blessing. Do you know a real Christian testimony is not what you know, it's how you apply it to your life and how it changes you. Those are the testimonies we love to hear. God changing people. To have our past fixed, we need to hear Him, we need to be taught by Him, but also to have our past fixed we need to be freed by his truth verse 21 again if so be that ye have heard him you have been taught by him and verse 21 as the truth is in Jesus it's the truth we need the truth let's talk about the truth for a second the truth is we're all naturally born sinners I've had conversations with people and we're talking about God loves us and conversations go great You mentioned God's a sinner. No, not God. The God says, we're sinners. All of a sudden, they want to be done with the conversation. (laughs) Do you notice that? But what could be more obvious than than the fact that we're sinners? The world's a mess, I might say. Oh yeah, the world's a mess. That's because we're sinners. Oh, conversation over. (laughs) It's so obvious, as a nose on our faces, that this world is a mess. It's so obvious, as a nose on our faces. The reason why is because we're sinners. You can't fix the problem if you're not willing to be honest about the problem. Would you agree with me? Lost sinners. We're all naturally lost sinners who will never see the light of eternal day because of our sin. Because we've all told lies. We've been deceitful. We've said God's name in vain. We've been blasphemous. We've stolen things. We've broken God's laws. We are destined for the flames of eternal punishment and damnation because of our sin. That's the truth. You can't whitewash the truth. I mean, you could try and make it look really nice. But you remove all the nicety, the reality is still there. Hard as it may be, we must accept the truth. How can we be freed unless we accept the truth? The truth is that we're sinners... But the truth is that Jesus died on the cross for sinners. Thank God. Romans 3:26, to declare, I say, at this at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross to declare us righteous. How can he declare us righteous? when we repent of our sin and receive his free gift, he makes a legal declaration. You're no longer a sinner. Though you were born a sinner, though you've lived in sin, I legally declare you righteous. Wow. That's what the Bible says. Brethren, I'm here this morning to tell you God is willing to forgive us. Speaking to a man yesterday, and he says, I don't understand how you can say God is good if you will send sinners to hell. God is good, and that's why he sends sinners to hell. God is just. And I ask him the question, do you think Hitler should be in heaven? He said, absolutely not. He has a sense of justice. If we say that Hitler shouldn't be in heaven and Saddam Hussein shouldn't be in heaven, then we have to be able to say that God has a right to judge who should be in heaven and who shouldn't be, right? If we can make moral judgments, doesn't God himself have the right to make moral judgments? Some of us say, how dare you say Hitler shouldn't be in heaven? You know that? Archbishop of Canterbury several years ago said, I'm going to shake hands with Hitler when I go to heaven. Well, he may shake hands with Hitler, but it won't be in heaven. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. Brethren, we have no right to set ourselves up as judges of God. He decides how to get to heaven. He decides what's right. And he has set his moral judgments, right? I thank God that he became our sacrifice on the cross. He died the just for the unjust. And he's willing to forgive us and completely wash away all our sin if we're willing to repent and put our faith in his remedy for our sins. And that's his by what he did on the cross. Jesus Christ and on that cross to wash our sins away. And if we're not willing to accept that, we're making a mockery of it. Does that make sense? Don't make light of the cross. It took a lot for Jesus to die on the cross. It took a lot for him to be willing to do that. But he was willing to do it. That suffering was horrendous. And you know what? We make light of it because we don't think about it. I'm not saying we make light of it by mocking it and joking about it. We don't. I know we don't. But we make light of it by by, by not thinking it as important as it really is. And we think, ah, it didn't hurt him so much. He really, really did. His suffering was horrendous. The nails in his hands you know I was reading in my Greek New Testament this morning I'm just finished now I'm just going to t- just stick with the English for a while but it was really interesting I was reading in Galatians and and Paul ended his the Galatians by saying I bear on my marks I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus the word word for marks is stigmata and you've heard the stigmata where these certain divines priests and whatever say I have a stigmata and they show this red stuff on their hands, and they say, these are the marks of Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. Those are not the marks of Jesus. Here are the marks of Jesus. Ripped back. Thorns beaten into his head. A disfigured face. Beard ripped out. Those are the marks of the Lord Jesus. That's child's pain. A nail in the hands was child's pain. His back was shredded. He suffered, brethren. So if people say st- they have a stigmatical, I'll say, well, show me your back then. Let's see real suffering, because Jesus really did suffer. I'm not trying to be disrespectful towards people. I'm just trying to tell you, don't make light of what Jesus did on the cross. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm trying to say, don't make light of that. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all of our sin, and he saved us, and he washed us away wash our sins away by what he did on the cross. And when we were broken, the only way we could be fixed is when we came to the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Think about that. This whole message is about the battle going on in the mind. Jesus Christ said, on the cross, so, we can win that battle. We've already won the war because of what He did on the cross. And we can enter into victory because of it. And when we receive His truth, we can receive a complete pardon. All our sins can be completely washed away. And God sees us differently because of what He did on the cross. So, the battle has been won. I mean, the war has been won. Brethren, no matter what we face today, no matter what we face tomorrow, the war is over. The battle is over. The war is over. When Jesus said, it is finished, he really meant it. He meant it. The final chapters of Revelation say, the war is over. Okay, so we know this. If you're a Christian, you know this. Every born-again Christian who knows anything about his faith knows he's on the winning side. He's just waiting for Christ to blow the final whistle. But honestly, while we're still here on earth, we don't feel the victory. Do we? Sometimes. Sometimes all we feel is heaviness. Brethren, I'm here to tell you there's a different way. We can feel the victory only when we allow God to change our We've got to allow him to change our lives. And verse 22 down to 32 explains all this, brethren. If we're going to see victory, there has to be change. Look at verse 21. "It so be that ye have heard him, that ye have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt, according to deceitful lusts. The word put, the word's put off. We've, this stuff has to change. We've got to put it off. There has to be change. The words put off mean action. We have to change. We can't stay where we're at. If we're continuing to do the things that got us into trouble right now while we're Christians, how will we ever see change? Change. We've got to change, we've got to say, no, it wasn't working, it didn't get me saved, it's not going to get me right with God, it's got to change, it has to be change. Brethren, before we came to Christ, we lived in defeat. And sadly, many Christians seem determined to remain there, waiting for heaven for victory. But I want us to think about this for a second. When we felt helpless and hopeless, The Spirit of God convicted us, right? And He brought us to that place of victory. God doesn't save you and bring you to a place of victory so you can get off that place of victory and go back to defeat. Remember, we left the paths of sin to come to Christ. We walked away from lifetime habits of sin that were ingrained within us. That's how we got saved. I know this lifetime habit of sin is wrong. And then we got saved, and then we sort of... back into their lifetime how it is sins. do you understand what i'm saying we can't do that i saw i I like watching wildlife films and stuff like that or clips or whatever i saw this really interesting one about thailand and there was this lion and he was in a cage for 15 years this small little cage for 15 years he never walked around the place he'd never run he would never jogged and uh, these Free the lion people. I don't know what else to call them. But but, uh, I'm glad they did this. Don't misunderstand me. These animal activists or helpers or whatever they were, they got a hold of the lion and they brought him to this wildlife sanctuary. And I was really curious, what happens with a lion who's been caged for 15 years, who's never been able to walk around, never been able to jog, uh, never had proper interaction with their their own kind? What's it going to do? Well, I watched the video I'm glad they, sh- they showed the video It's really interesting and they let the lion out into this bigger cage which had the gateway into the sanctuary, do you understand what I'm saying? And the lion sort of walked around a little bit and that video shows me he walked them towards the entryway into the sanctuary and he just kept on going and started jogging after a while and you just think wow this little lion is learning freedom it makes me think of the Christians That was us, caged, ensnared by our sin, right? And the Lord Jesus Christ arrested our hearts, convicted us of our sin. the question is, do do we stay in a small little three by five cage that we were in? Or do we walk free? i was so glad to watch that line go free. I mean, it it gives you a good, good feeling, right? There was change there. Brethren, if we're going to see change If we're going to see victory, there has to be change. If we're going to see victory, we're going to have to deal with our minds. Look at verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Many scientists believe that over 85% of our DNA is junk. Not every scientist. uh, They call it junk DNA, which they say is like they don't know what it's for and whatever. Now, not everybody, not every scientist believes that, but there are some who think it's, some of our DNA is useless. And there's debate going on at, 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 at the moment about it. It's really, I didn't get deeply into it, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I don't know, I don't believe any of our DNA is useless. I believe God has a purpose for everything. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. But I think some of our thoughts are useless. <laughs> You're with me here this morning. So we need to be renewed. Before Christ, our minds were absolutely filled with rubbish, selfish, and sinful thoughts. All we did was think about ourselves and think about our own pleasure. But that was before Christ. Brethren, we don't have to wait until heaven to get our minds power-hosed. Do you know what I mean by a power-washer? Those high-powered washers, like, I remember years ago, a friend of mine was getting his house power-washed. And uh, the guy said, listen, I could power wash your bike. I said, no, I was afraid he was going to destroy my bike with that thing. Sometimes we can be afraid to allow God to power wash our brains. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're afraid of God intervening in our lives. But you don't have to be, brethren. He wants to deal with our minds. He wants us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. What he wants us to do is get into this book Get into our Bibles. Get into our relationship with God and just enjoy Him. And you know what? He's going to change you bit by bit. Just get into your Bible. You see, we have lots of problems, right? Not just one or two. We have lots of problems. This book has all the answers. And you know, brethren, we don't get it right the first time. None of us do. We need to hear it again and again and again. You read your Bible, God's going to say it a different. A hundred different ways. Susanna Wesley, mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley, Charles Wesley wrote 6,000 hymns. John Wesley was a great preacher in the UK and America and preached in Wexford, got chased out with pitchforks, but we leave that one. But the point is this. Susanna Wesley was asked, why do you keep telling your children uh, the same thing a hundred times? And she said, I'm afraid if I only told them 99 times, they wouldn't get it. God's the same with us. He tells us some things again and again and again because he wants us to get it. That's where we need to be in our Bible every day because brethren, yesterday we, for- today we forgot about what we read yesterday, right? So we need to be in it again and say, okay, God, power holds my brain again. Power holds my mind again. Lord, I need you. And brethren, it's all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I need you, help me, help me, Lord. You know my mind is corrupt. You know my mind is sinful. You save me from this mind. Help me, Lord. And let his word renew you. It's all good, isn't it? If we're going to see victory, we need to deal with our minds. But if we're to see victory, we need to embrace our new nature. God has given you this new nature. You know the verse, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are past, behold, all things are become new, right? So, verse 24, and that he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This new nature of a Christian comes from God, and it's righteous and it's holy. There are some people out there, I think there are some Christians out there, who are afraid to be righteous and are afraid to be holy. I don't know what God will do with me. He might go through my house and start going through all the stuff I have to give away might be one of these people. All I can do is this all the time. You know what? Last thing I read about the Bible, you should know the truth and the truth should make you free. Free, free people don't walk around like that. And if you see people walking around like that, oh, I can't do this, can't do this, can't do that. They're in bondage. They're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. They certainly haven't read the book of Galatians. Because the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to embrace our new nature so he can free us. Dedication to God seems to scare most Christians half to death, but why should it? Some are afraid to let go of the steering wheel and allow the instructor to take over. Have you ever taken driving lessons? Jewel. Okay? You got the driving wheel, you got the steering wheel, or you, you, well, you got the steering wheel, you got the pedals and all that type of stuff. The driver has also pedals. He can uh, engage the clutch, he can put a car on and shove on the brake if you miss something, right? Thank God we have the Holy Spirit to help us as well when we mess up. So glad about that. We just need to embrace our new nature, brethren. What nature is inside you, let me ask you? You've got God's nature inside you. What's your future? Your future is to be with God forever. And what's God going to do to you eventually? Make you perfectly holy. (gasps) Scary. It's not meant to be scary, it's meant to be joyful, right? Perfectly righteous, perfectly holy. Don't be afraid. If that's you, maybe you're not afraid, but some people are. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. If you're a Christian, don't be afraid because He's going to do it anyway. You have all the eternity. You're going to find yourself enjoying it so much. It's time for every one of us to put away every bit of fear we have of surrendering ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and embrace him by faith. And embrace our new nature. And embrace our future. And finally, if we're to see victory, we said that there has to be change. We need to deal with our minds. We need to embrace our new nature. And finally, if we're to see victory, we cannot be what we were we can't be what we were you can't be the way you were before you got saved if you're going to see victory that's not going to work it doesn't work that way christianity is not an add-on christianity is transformational it completely changes you we have to be different so let's look at some of the things maybe we need to see differences in maybe we naturally struggle to be honest with ourselves and with others i knew a man and i he told me this story that was hilarious but he was always sort of running late. You understand what I'm saying? And, and uh, he'd go to these meetings and he'd say, oh, I'm late again. And he didn't want to tell people that he was just not watching the clock. So he went under his bonnet. and he dirtied his hands with the oil and came over and he said, sorry I'm late, lads. You know? But when he got right with God and got saved, do you know what he said? He said, I just told him I'm late because he gave a real, real, real reason. Verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. When we are members one of another. Just tell the truth. That's how you walk in freedom, right? Just tell the truth. Just be honest. Maybe, it's not something of the area of truth, maybe, maybe we uh, easily took offence with others. There's a lady I know who used to easily get offended, but she got into God's word. Now she's much calmer, and she's very, very quick to seek reconciliation. And that she's freed by it. Look at verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. Don't let sin go down upon Don't let anger, don't let uh, the sun go down upon your wrath. It says issues between you and other people, resolve them. It's freeing. Maybe you're struggling with uh, looking for handouts. A you a man? And he was like that and he had a reputation but you know thank god god has changed him and now he's trying to build a reputation of wanting to give instead of being looking for handouts all the time thank god for the changes he brings in people's lives look at verse 28 let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor look at the contrast labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needed that's the way of a christian and it's freeing, it's freeing not to have to have the hand out. Maybe that's not your issue. I've heard people say, you know, I'm a Christian now, but I have inspired sarcasm. You know, I know being critical or having sarcasm is, can be every inspired, but I know a man who used to have a negative spirit. And the reason why he had a negative spirit is because he came from a very negative home. Your home affects a lot of stuff, Right? But when he dedicated himself to the Lord, he determined to listen to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he determined to pray for wisdom. And now he is always a person who's thankful and looking to the Lord to give praise. That's how you deal with having a critical spirit. Look for ways to praise. Because it's have to be critical, isn't it? Maybe that's not your issue. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe you're just willful, and you want your own way, and I think we can uh, we, we can always be that way, right? The Bible says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I, I, A lady I knew used to really struggle. She used to struggle with hearing preaching. used to struggle to follow through with things. Struggled to step outside her comfort zone. And look, I think we all can struggle to step outside our comfort zones. But she dedicated herself to the Lord. And she completely changed. And now everyone says she's a blessing. Why? Because instead of ignoring the Holy Spirit, she's listening to the Holy Spirit. It's changed. So what we're seeing is All these changes can happen. Maybe another issue we have is being easily frustrated or angered. Instead of being angry and frustrated, we need to be tender and forgiving because anger and frustration robs you of that tender heart. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Tender hearted forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now why am I saying all these things? I'm saying all these things because we already know we have won the war. But so often we don't live that way. And the reason why we don't live that way, because we're not seeing change where we need to see change and the things that we need to change are robbing us of our joy and are causing us to struggle in our minds. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the only way we can overcome the battle in our minds is to to replace the battle with the Lord's peace. The opposite of war is? Peace. Peace. And the opposite of the battle in our minds is God's peace in our hearts. And if we want to have God's peace in our hearts, we need to submit ourselves to these areas. And maybe none of those areas are yours. I just read them because they're in the scriptures. It could be something else. But whatever your battle is, you need to lay down your arms. And when I say arms, I mean your your weapons, right? Stop fighting God. And submit yourself and say, Lord, I give in. And I want to tell you something. The process... Of giving to God is probably the biggest battle you're going to face, and just being honest with you, it's really, really, really hard to give into God, isn't it? I'm just being honest with you. It's really hard, but you have to ask yourself, what's at the end of it? What's at the end of giving into God? Peace. So it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it, brethren. As I said, we can struggle to be truthful or easily offended or different things we've talked about. But we don't have to live that way. We don't have to crumble when we face that battle in the mind. We all have a past, but we should not live in our past. Why should we live in our past when we have such a wonderful future? If we live in our past, what we're doing is we're creating more battles in our mind. Does that make sense? And that's what we don't want to do. So brethren, if that's you, talk to the Lord about it. Bring it before him. And honestly, and this is what I did. You do what works for you, but this is what I did. I said, God, I need real change. And I brought it before him every day. God, I need real change. I can't continue to go this way. It's eating me up. It's killing me inside. Do you understand what I'm saying? I need real change. You've got to be determined. Brethren, there's no point in waiting for the glories of heaven and living miserably on earth when you're waiting for it. I don't want that. You don't want Brethren, we don't just need information from the Bible. We don't just need conviction from the Holy Spirit. We need real change because that's where the peace comes from. Allowing God to change us. So let me ask you this morning Are you struggling with an inner battle? And the second question is Do you want that battle to be over? Do you want it to cease? Now, can I say, in Sunday school class, Josiah was mentioning, we have seasons, right? So there are seasons where we have inner battles, right? And there are seasons where we have peace, right? But if you don't give in to the Lord, there really aren't any seasons of peace, okay? So we need that season of peace. We do need it. But we need that change. And maybe that change you need is salvation. I don't know. Maybe you've never truly repented of your sin, but your faith in the won't be paid for your sins. That's the change you need if you haven't done that. But maybe you already have. But you're still battling. If that's you this morning, I think what you need to do is go to the Lord for his <coughs> peace. And if you go to the Lord for his peace, he's going to show you what he wants to change, okay? Don't fight him. And if you do fight them, don't make it a long, drawn-out battle, okay? <laughs> Work with the Lord. Let the Lord work, work in your life. And let him give you the peace that he has for you while we wait for the glorious peace of heaven. Can we go to the Lord in prayer about these things?